G'day and welcome to episode 103 of the Packity Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson and today I have guest Amber Isles who is the founder and owner of Rock Coast. Founded in 2017 by Amber and located in Sunnichton on Vancouver Island in BC, Rock Coast is a small batch gourmet chocolatier and confectioner that creates high quality and delicious products with natural ingredients and they are all free from artificial flavours and colours. With a great presence and distribution on the island and right throughout BC, Rock Coast can also be found in retail locations right across Canada as well. If you're on the island, be sure to stop by their storefront, sample some chocolates and say good day to Amber, or you can also take advantage of 15% off any online purchase by scrolling down into the show notes, clicking on the link and using the promo code PAC15. Now, before we kick off into today's conversation with Amber, like I mention every week, and if you're new to the podcast, thanks for taking the time to listen in. My name is Hayden Thompson, and as well as chatting with business owners and operators about their businesses on this podcast, I also work for a packaging company located in BC called Foodpack where we help food-based CBD companies and processors with their packaging and food packaging equipment. Now at Foodpack, we specialize in three specific areas, the first of which is stock bags, which you could think of as a turnkey solution to get to market. Uh, We also do custom printed bags and films, which is my favorite part of the business and what I execute on best. Um, And we also have packaging equipment like Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, Plex pack band sealers and repack tray sealers and thermoformers. We also have a showroom packed full of this equipment. So if you'd like to come on in and assess it all before you make some pretty big decisions for your business, um, you're more than welcome to do so. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like me to assess your existing packaging program, head along to the Foodpack website by scrolling down into the show notes and there you'll be able to dig into everything that we offer in a lot more detail. And then if we tick all of the boxes, you can get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com or even better, pick up the phone and give me a call on 604-360-6790 and we can take it from there. Okay, let's get on with the show. Episode 103 with Amber Isles. Amber, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, it is a pleasure having you on. Uh, you were introduced to me by Dino Sullivan, who's one of our sales reps here at Foodpack. And uh, I know that we're doing a stand-up pouch or two for you, and he's spoken very highly of you and said you had an amazing story. So he's like, you really need to get Amber on the show. Perfect. Well, thanks. Yeah, they're doing some work for me. Uh, quite a few packs coming in and, uh, yeah, working well. Very good. So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I'm from Victoria. Grew okay. up in Victoria yeah. <laughs> and uh, very close to where I have my shop. Yeah. Um, brief stint as a kid over in Vancouver, but other okay. than that, pretty much haven't gone too far from the island. So. Well, I get that. It's a beautiful part of the world. I love it, it is, over there. Yeah. 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 Cool. There are so many people packing up their lives here on the mainland and moving across to the island for so many reasons. And I think one of them is because you've got that small town feel in sort of, you know, uh, a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, I, I love how. I mean, I love visiting Vancouver, but I love driving yeah. off the ferry and just slowing down. Isn't it the best? The island so time's nice. real. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, has it changed much since you grew up there? It's changed a lot. It's changed yeah. a lot out in my area. Um, well, for instance, the building that I'm in, I mean, it's only five years old. So right. just so much development. Uh, yeah. I don't get into Victoria very often. I'm just out sort of on the uh out of out of victoria a little bit it's more yeah. in the country which is nice so Beautiful. on the a coast lot of, uh no just uh not quite i'm just like out in sandwich which is oh, most okay. people probably oh, yeah. know where butchart gardens is 
Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Yeah, I've been there Very twice. Very close to there. That's kind of eh? where I reference people because yeah. no one really would know otherwise. We're in a very strange little area. Here, yeah. Got so, you. but most people do know where Butcher Gardens is. Yeah. So I'm very close to there. Not far from the airport either. I'm assuming. Not far from the airport. You know, yeah. Fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a, such a beautiful part of the world. Like, obviously, when people get off the ferry at Sydney and then they drive to Victoria, they're driving through it on the highway. But very rarely would people ever get off and sort of, you know, go and yeah. explore. I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's gorgeous out here. Yeah. Did you spend time on the water when you were growing up? Like, was that a part of your life? So oh, huge. Yeah, I, I think I'd have a hard time uh, moving from here. I mean, I love lakes too, but the mm. ocean is is what I love the most. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And here we're we're on the peninsula, so we're surrounded by the ocean, not too yeah. far one way or the other, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Um, before, so of my son is Zave; he's five. So when my wife was pregnant with Zave, we went on sort of like our baby moon, and we stayed on Pender Island. Oh, nice. Which was beautiful, and um, and I'll always remember. So it was one evening. We had dinner and then we went for a stroll because we were staying in an Airbnb and we just like, we were just walking along this, it must've been like such a secluded private beach. And there were homes that backed right up onto the beach. And we just sat on a rock and just sort of watched the world go by for an hour. Anyway, there was a family that came out off their back porch and they walked up to a tinny boat, unhitched it from a, like a a post. And then they ripped out to a buoy and they pulled up a crab net, got some fresh crabs and then came back with their dinner. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do that one day. Like that's, that's something that I want in my life. Is that something that you guys did yeah. growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I fished a lot. When I have to say I'm more in a, a vegetarian type lifestyle now. Okay. Yep. So yep. I don't do the act of fishing, right. um, but uh, I do. Um, I, I mean, I still eat seafood, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. my sort of mind frames changed a little bit on yeah. that. Just personally, lifestyle changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I still love the idea of being able to go out and get, I mean, I'd way rather we're spoiled yeah. with fresh prawns and fish. Yeah. And so, yeah, we still do. We'll do that in the evenings go That's out cool. and, and catch stuff for dinner. And Harvest your own food. Yeah, exactly. So that sort of stuff is pretty important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just being able to do that stuff is yeah. pretty amazing. My brother-in-law, um, he does a lot of fishing, so he nicely brings me, we actually trade for protein bars, which is oh, nice. Cool. So, <laughs> That's not yeah, a bad trade. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to, yeah. to have that surrounding you. So it sounds like food's always been pretty central to your life as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, cooking, just love of food. I think too for me, like the just meals. I feel like mm. food is food and music to me kind of it's just such an important way to bring people together. And mm-hmm. so those just meals, you know, sitting down, providing people with food, cooking for them mm. is always just been a huge, huge part of my life. And I think unfortunately for uh, you know, this part of the world, we miss that a lot with how busy everyone is yeah. and they don't really take the time to kind of make dinner or a mm. meal of the day. Like Sit down and eat as a family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's always just been food, cooking, anything yeah. like that. It's always been pretty, pretty important to me. That's cool. Was it something mm-hmm. that was sort of central to your family when you were growing up? Like, um, where does your family originally come from? Like where, like, are they European or? 
Uh, I think far down the line, English. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but mostly, um, you know, as far as my grandparents, uh, they were born here. I yeah, think yeah. my great grandmother probably was born in England. But yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, but baking was always like my mom always baked when yeah. I was younger too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was always kind of something that I I did as a kid, and I always loved mm-hmm. doing that too. So mm-hmm. yeah. So how'd you find yourself getting into uh, chocolate? Uh, kind of by fluke, actually. Um, I I have to say that I never was really a big fan of chocolate when I was really? younger. Really? Okay. And but I was a massive candy fiend. Sweet tooth. So, yep, huge sweet tooth. And so <laughs> um, it was just uh, every Christmas I I made um, almond roca. Oh, yep. Which yep. is basically the version of the product, my main product that I have. Okay. Uh, so I would make it. And mostly the reason why I loved it so much was because it was candy in the center, essentially. Yeah. And so it just became a thing that everyone knew at Christmas time that I would always have to have this big bat of, of almond roca. And so we would have friends that would just stop by to sit and, and, you know, eat as much as I had had put out. And yeah. And then by, it was just, coated in chocolate so you know didn't really have to think too much of it when you're making it for home you just kind of melt the chocolate put it on there Mm. then as things progressed and you know we'll probably talk about sort of how I got more into Mm. um more into that but as I decided to kind of grow the business I realized that the kind of small batch fluke chocolate that i had been making didn't really cross over into larger batches like it, you found it hard to scale did you yeah uh, probably. no just more like you can kind of put the chocolate coating on the toffee but then when you start to do large scale you realize that you actually there's a lot to know about chocolate mm-hmm. and working with it you can kind of fluke into you know like getting into temper things like that mm. but then when you start working large scale there becomes lots of other issues that go along with it and expensive and I'd so, imagine. And expensive. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So then I realized that if I'm going to keep doing it, I better start learning a lot more about chocolate so that I can stop. Well, I mean, no one, it, none of it went to waste, but you, you kind of get to yeah. the point where yeah, yeah. you mess up too many batches and you, yeah. it's kind of disheartening. I can imagine you're actually this. Well, actually, when I think about it, I had Kristen Carreri from Severs, uh, sorry, Kristen Carrera from Seven Summit Snacks. On are you familiar with Kristen and the business Seven Summit Snacks? I don't think so. No. So she comes from up at Edmonton Way, and she's making the most exquisite chocolates as well. Like it's beautiful, and she's a chocolatier. I had her on the podcast, and that was a great episode. I also had Jake Carls from Midday Squares on the show from out in Montreal. Have you heard of Jake? Yeah. Yep. So they're doing some great things. So you're the third person on the show, and it's really cool. Like what I've found with. Um, people who are involved in the chocolate industry is not only you're passionate about chocolate itself, but you find that you go down a rabbit hole and the deeper you go down that hole, the more you realize that you don't know and that you've got to find out. Is that what you found too? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge amount of, I mean, as I loved chemistry and I think it's interesting now that I, I sort of didn't realize how much Mm. Chemistry there is in making chocolate. Oh yeah, and uh, and and candy actually. So you know the toffee in itself has a lot of variables. Mm. So that, but you open with one thing that you figure out, you sort of open another, like you say, can mm. of 
something else that needs to be fixed. And then when yeah. you scale up, like every time I change my recipes to a larger scale, you run into a completely different yeah. problem as well. So yeah. it's, but I love, I do love that stuff. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, food is science really, isn't it? And, um, you know, it's especially when it comes to baking and I can imagine that, yeah, chocolate would be exactly the same. So you got your start just by, you know, word of mouth, bake, well, sort of putting this um, sweet together for your family and they absolutely loved it. At what point did you realize that, hey, this is something that maybe I could extend out into the world or do something with? Uh, that was 2011. Okay. And so I actually buy my... Growing up, I always wanted to either be a veterinarian, mm. but I also had this side thought that I really wanted to own a restaurant eventually. Mm. And uh, and so back in in 2011, when I started the company, I was I had graduated from vet tech, and so I was working. All oh, right, so that's what you studied. Restaurant. You yeah. studied. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I worked in the, uh, the vet industry for quite a number of years. And so I was doing both things. I was working in restaurants and I was uh, doing vet tech. And then my hobby was just doing like playing around with, with food and mm -hmm. um, on the side. And my mom had always done markets when I was younger. So I would always go to markets with her and I would always come up with some thing to sell at the table. What like, was she uh, selling? Uh, she had a sewing company. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, you know, I, one, one year, remember devil sticks that the juggling oh, yeah, sticks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, came up with this. I, I went around all the bike stores and, and made tons of these devil sticks and sat there at the markets and, and sold those. So that was one of my okay. ventures that I decided cool. to do. So it was always something that I did with her is going yeah. to markets. Yeah, yeah. And she laughs because she said that I'm pretty sure I spent all of her profits just eating the food that was at the <laughs> market. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I went one year to her and she's like, just try and sell, you know, people were like, just try and sell the coffee at the market. And so I did, and it went over really well. So I did another market and then I got approached by, um, somebody with a coffee shop and they wanted to put the product into their store. And so of course I started researching it and realized that once you decide to not be the primary person to sell your product direct to the customer, it kind of opens quite a lot more um, that you have to do for regulations. Mm. So I really had to decide if this was something that I wanted to do or not, because then it now had to be made in a commercial kitchen instead of just in my host kitchen. And luckily a woman that I had worked for years ago, she had a breakfast restaurant at the time. So she allowed me to go in after hours to make the product so that I had a facility that I could actually then package it in and sell it to stores. So I tried it seemed interested in it. And because I had committed to the, the kitchen, I kind of just went around and just samples, like I just phoned people. Went yeah. Just hustled. Samples of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and for the most part, the Island is so good about even back then they were so good about supporting local. Mm. So, you know, you go give them a few samples and they list it in their store. And as long as you kind of keep at it and provide them with quality product. Now, years later, I'm still in the original stores that 
got me in the first place. They're loyal. So yeah, yeah, it's, awesome. it's really awesome. So that's kind of where it, it started from there. And then um, part-time work doing that, I kind of, you know, I did a stint at um, Ski Hill for a while. Oh, did you? Fun. Where was yeah, that? So at Mount Washington. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I would come down on the weekends, make the product. And then I would go back up there and I was doing um, my vet work. Um, I went down to locoming. So I would pick up shifts, um, you know, up island and down here and then go to the ski hill for my shifts and come back down to fill orders. So it was kind of, it was awesome. It was yeah. busy time. Yeah. And life was just, probably never better. Hey, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I was just trying to figure out where, what I wanted to do, where it was going yeah. and, uh, and, and yeah. And then it just, it started to progress um, cool. to the point where I had to really make some decisions on, you know, when people started contacting me about listing the products, that's when I that's saying something sort of, yeah, decide to, to build a commercial kitchen. And so that was what we did. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think pretty much 2013, I think I built my first commercial kitchen. So. Wow. So yeah. two years, well, so 2011 to 2013, sort of that period of time you were just hustling to sort of proof concept and yeah. just through referrals and word of mouth, the business sort of got some legs to it. You mentioned that in 2017, um, Rock Coast was born as in like the, the rebrand and the name. What were you called back then? I called it Coastal Roca. Coastal Roca. Okay. Because um, it was Almond Roca. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, I mean, I'm a, coast girl so yeah I'm just it's same it fit. coast I mean yeah it, everything fits. to me exactly <laughs> yeah, so yeah yeah and then we just we did a whole rebrand when I decided to change the name and we got a new logo and mm -hmm. kind of new packaging I mean yeah. packaging has progressed you kind of look at the packaging when I started and I have no idea why anyone would put that in their store but it's pretty awesome it makes for a good story doesn't it i love yeah. that i love that yeah. kind of the side of the evolution of a business from like the very first idea where it started in your kitchen and you're making it for a family through all of those evolutions and getting listed and you know the, the getting the ball rolling to where it is today it's it's amazing yeah 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 it's, it's been good that's oh. cool mm -hmm. very good and um I just want to, you mentioned before, like your mom um, used to get to the farmer's markets and she was selling her wares there, like the wares that she was sewing and you were just set up at the table as well. There are so many entrepreneurs that I've had on this show that have, you know, they've got kids and they bring them along to the farmer's markets. And I think it's just an incredible influence that you can have on your children, you know, yeah. because not only are they watching you, you know, um, hustle and grind it out and work through the peaks and the troughs. Um, that entrepreneurship sort of like offers you and they sort of observe the way that you respond to those stresses, which is amazing. But you also just vicariously as a child um, pick up on things like business acumen. And I was really fortunate. I started working for my parents when I was 12 in their um, fast food outlet cafe, which was in a shopping mall um, uh, food court. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like I didn't realize it at the time. Like at the time I was just working for pocket money. And then you look yeah. back at your life and you're like, that shaped me. That absolutely shaped me. Would you suggest that, you know, um, you setting up at the farmer's market, settled up next to your mum, essentially set you on that entrepreneurial path or at least got your mind ticking on the fact that you could create something and sell it? Like how did it sort of work from there? Yeah, I think so. I think that was always sort of in 
I mean, from like when I was really young, that's what mm. I did. And I watched her, not that I think that it necessarily is good watching how hard she worked all mm. the time, but I definitely know that a huge amount of me going, going, going is from watching. I yeah. mean, she had three kids and yeah. she worked part-time jobs and then she had her sewing company and she would do the markets on the weekend. So yeah. it was just... Um, Plus always like the value for me of being able to buy my own, you mm. know, like raising a little bit of money to be able to, to go and, you know, buy the things that I wanted to buy and stuff like Slap that. Hands. And so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scrunchies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, actually it's funny because we actually, we needed a way to, to mark our um, rolling carts recently. And yeah. so we're like, how are we going to do this? slap bracelets so i just got the slap <laughs> bracelets to mark them that's awesome yeah. yeah yeah so i mean yeah i think for sure just watching her be able to do so much yeah um kind of puts it in your brain that mm. you you can you can make time to mm -hmm. to do it you know just uh but you got to put in the effort for sure, work ethic right? yeah i think that's the one thing and i'm really fortunate in that I love to work as well. Like I'm so feel so fulfilled in my role at work and I've never been happier in my career. And, yeah. but at the same time, like you've got to work really hard. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, I've found that throughout my whole working life, like I've been fortunate enough to have the type of brain that just works hard. And I think a lot of it has rubbed off on to me because of the work ethic that my parents had and that they instilled in me from that young age. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about getting your kids to work at a at a young age. I know <laughs> that like, you know, the law says in Australia 14 and 9 months or something, but I swear like if I could get my kids working at a younger age, I will do it. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that I can think of in mm. that I just know personally and mm. family businesses and stuff and mm -hmm. honestly like they're just such good kids. Like they understand mm things that way too right yeah. so it, yep. it, it is yeah it's definitely it's definitely good um to to do there was another woman that I worked for as well um when one of my first jobs and she was like a very strong woman yeah and huge amounts of I think I look back often and as much as it you know some of those you kind of go oh my gosh like that was a hard job I realized how much that I picked up from mm. her mm -hmm. just uh because she had and you realize like, you kind of have to be mm -hmm. uh, an assertive person like that mm. when you're trying to do so many things and yeah yeah and you you appreciate you learn to like understand them a little bit better too so yeah for sure how big is the team that you've got there at the moment uh well I'm lucky that I have my mom that works for me now cool and uh my stepdad works a lot for me and then we okay. have uh seven people on top of that seven employees so. like mm -hmm. um just like everybody on the tools or is that sort of encapsulating like a marketing role and accounting or uh how do you divide I it up I have so there's pretty much production mm -hmm. um which is like direct um manufacturing really yep. like making the product and then there's a lot of packaging. Mm. Uh, so that's a good chunk. Um, and then there's uh, right now our manufacturing facility. Well, it will be attached also um, in future, but it's attached. And so we, um, whoever's packaging can also be 
moved up front when retail space, anyone, anyone comes in, they can pop up and sort of deal with the customer too, yep. which is kind of nice to have that connection between the flexibility. Two. Yeah. 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 And then I did have some marketing and accounting looked after, but I, uh, this is one thing that I will need to work on in the future is I really like looking at, I like the connection between my customers Mm-hmm. And I like to have a really good grasp on my business. And so mm-hmm. I try to do maybe too much. And mm-hmm. so um, I do a lot of that stuff just by myself. You do all the books yourself. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I kind of really want to get more involved back. In, like I do a lot in the kitchen, but I'm constantly getting torn away to like deal yeah. with so much other stuff. And so mm-hmm. Right now, I'm just trying to figure out what what the plan is for what where I'm best suited, you know, to mm. to be you useful, and so what position I want to fill so that I mm. can be freed up in other spots. So that's kind of like a big challenge that I am going through and have been for a while. And I Got think you. a lot of people do that, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think you know, um, as a business evolves over time, the common theme is that yeah, like different different positions need filling at different times. And, um, but yeah, it sounds to me like you're sort of in a position right now where you want to be working strategically on the business rather than in the business. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I mean, I'd love to work in the business. Mm. I love uh, the reason why I got into it, but ideally that's probably not best where I fit. I probably need to find some people that would take a little bit of the pressure off me that way Yeah. so that I can kind of, I mean, no one's going to, sell your product as well as Mm. the person that's like really, really, you know, you can find people that can, can do a really good job, but I, my heart and soul is, have been in this for so long now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over 10 years. So it's, uh, it's, it's part of me. So I feel like me being the direct contact. Yeah. People really enjoy I really enjoy being able to to keep in contact through emails and sales orders and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, no, that's all right. But uh, can you hear me? I've got you loud and clear. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep, cool. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> that's sorry, all right no no no, no it's my internet on this end hey um you mentioned you back you started in 2011 and then you built your own facility in 2013 i can imagine that that would have taken a huge sort of amount of um planning it would have taken a huge sort of you know to invest in something like that right off the bat would have pretty, been a pretty big decision did you sort of like think about going into like a shared commercial kitchen to start with like a commissary or were you always of the tact of like, no, I want to go out on my own and I want to build my own space. Um, There isn't a huge in Vancouver. The commissary thing is quite, it's huge. Exactly. Yeah. And here it's not, I know that they are yeah. trying okay. to sort of bring it in, um, in more to the Island, which is awesome because I know a lot of small businesses mm. that could benefit from that. There is a few shared kitchens that I know of usually, you know, like quarter shares. Um, I was lucky that I built a 400 square foot facility in my house. Oh, wow. So that was, um, 
that sort of took a little bit of the pressure off, yeah. which was good. And so, yeah. I mean, it still was a huge undertaking mm. and 400 square feet isn't very large, but um, it was investing in the new equipment and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't as huge as, to me, the risk was less than if I had sort of committed to the quarter share on a, on a kitchen mm. or something. Plus chocolate and candy is so environmentally temperamental. Yeah. Yeah. That if people are in there and they're, you know, baking and um, doing all sorts of other things and I come in after, you know, the, the humidity levels mm. and temperature and it just and most of the commercial kitchens um, that are shared don't have the specialty equipment that I yeah. require. Yeah. So uh, it just yeah, it just seemed like the the best stepping stone to to do that. And then I I. I mean, that lasted me for four years, I guess, four or five years before I got into my bigger space. That was terrifying because mm. that was like, which is where I am now. The capital outlay um, was terrifying, you mean? Yeah, just uh, going from 400 square feet mm. to actually signing a lease mm. for a number of years at 1300 square feet. Mm -hmm. Like that was the jump where, yeah, it, that, that was the scary one. So. Mm. So how did you sort of like go about making those decisions? Like, did you run some projections? Did you have somebody going, you can do this, Amber, like you've got mm -hmm. this, or was it sort of demand where you're like, yeah, no, I know I've got this because there are people, I just can't service these people because I can't create enough. Like, was there demand and that gave you the confidence? Like we had, what was, gave you the confidence? Yeah. 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 We got to the point where I have pictures and we laugh because my mom was the one that was packaging and it's literally, she's in I don't know, that room was probably 120 square feet. And it, you could, she could barely move because, and she's packaging, but there's so much stuff that <laughs> like, she just, we just like kind of put her in there for the day and we didn't see her, you know, we're in 400 square feet and you like, let me know when you need a coffee. Her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I kind of, I think, and even with, this space because I actually am moving out of this space oh, uh, cool. next year as well. Right. And I'm busting at the seams here as well. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's good to project what you think you're going to do in the next five years, but also plan to kind of outgrow it a little bit before, um, which I don't think is a bad thing to do. So I, I did that with, with my little space and, uh, and I knew that the orders, like I wasn't actively seeking customers and so I knew that if I needed to go out to you know sort of make the rent then it was there you know I could actually be a little more active in gaining mm. customers because with what we were doing um, just in that little space it was kind of sustaining itself um, so yeah it, it definitely needed to happen but it was it was a scary jump so and then it basically was just a concrete box so actually deciding to to go and like put all the infrastructure in and stuff mm. was was a lot and then we are in the we are in an in industrial area and so I thought I'd throw a storefront in there just in case you know like people can come up I can kind of use it more as a showroom mm -hmm. not really thinking much of it and uh it's it's been amazing how many people have come and find us up mm. here. So they go out of their way to cool. hunt you down. Yeah, yeah, that's which cool. is it's pretty awesome. So yeah, no, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, we've talked about some of sort of 
the wins that you've had early, just in terms of like the businesses built momentum sort of on its own, it sounds like in, and that was just proof in the product and the quality of the product, which is amazing. And, um, you know, to have a product that has demand right from the start must've been a pretty amazing feeling, but tell us about some of the, um, some of the really tough decisions that you've had to make, or were there any points in the road where you're like, I don't know if I can go on, like, were there any sort of periods where you were sort of struggling at all? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Many, many. Okay. Uh, I, I sort of say during that time, it was always like one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. Every time that you thought that you got somewhere, you had two things knocking you back down. And I understand why people dissolve their businesses mm. because it's not easy and you really have to push through all of the things that kind of come up there's just there's almost too many to kind of of touch on them because Mm. it's just so many challenges that come up along the way and uh I think for me um I'm super stubborn so uh that is helpful in keeping pushing myself I have a really good support system of people around me which is huge um yeah. So, so that's been really good. There's always been people to kind of jump on board. If I was panicking about something, I mean, there's just so many things that have come up. I just like literally even just trying to fill orders, make big markets and things in the middle of crazy season and, you know, store orders ex- coming in way larger than expected, uh, not being able to get stock. I mean, the last two years for ingredients and stuff has been crazy so i know yeah 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 and then um i had a pretty bad accident um in mm, 2015 and uh ended up um on crutches for a while but it was in the middle of you know you don't you don't as owning your own business you don't really have uh have the option to not function so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I had to have uh, surgery on my leg. And I remember just, you know, a couple days later, trying to figure out how I could prop my leg up so that I can just continue working on death. So that was a pretty big one, because it set me back, like I couldn't wait bare on my leg for a really long time. And mm. yeah, I just remember just trying to modify, I had crutches with like every thing that you could I made bags for them and and just tried to modify everything so that I could actually function and like keep the business going because you know when you're growing the last thing I want to do is contact some of these companies and go Mm. hey like I can't get your order out for Mm. a month because they'll only keep you you know if you lose that space on the shelf yeah you're not gonna get it back again I know you gotta strike with the iron's hot don't you yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, always making sure that you're, you're keeping everyone happy that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, just, just general. Yeah. Just general day. stresses of owning and operating a business. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So everything starts between the ears, right? Like the mentality that you have, the way that you approach these problems, you said that you're stubborn, but you know, when you're confronted with a problem, 
like a piece of equipment breaks down and you can't get a tech in and you're like, holy shit, I've got this PO and I've got a pallet to build and I just don't think I'm going to get it out the door. What do you do? Like how, what advice would you give somebody out there? Because I know that there are a lot of people that go through exactly the same as what you're going through. I remember when mum and dad had their business, they were like just fighting fires all day. There was always something yeah, going on. Exactly. So what's your mentality? Like what's your approach? Do you take a couple of deep breaths? Do you meditate psychedelics? Like what's, what do you do? Yeah, I definitely, if something happens, well, I, my, my one thing that I can say that's stressful is almost every piece of equipment that I get in is damaged. Oh, <laughs> so, off the truck. And you know what? That's yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the bane of our existence at Foodpacker. That sometimes does happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did order in a machine, um, from Italy. It mm. took three months to get here. It got here. It had been, um, some, somebody had very much dropped something on top of it or ran, I don't know what happened. It was very damaged. Mm. So that had to go back. So then I waited another three months to get my new machine. It got here and I went to run it and uh, they had wired, they had changed it from three phase uh. to single phase, but they didn't change all of it. Mm. And so six o'clock in the morning, I'm on you know, what, when we had Skype mm-hmm. and uh, you know, trying to rewire the, the machine with the guys on Skype. So those sorts of things I've learned to, you have to learn to be crafty, I think is sort of what you need to do. In and order just take to, it in your stride. Yeah. And so like, just take a moment, calm down, mm-hmm. try and, you know, like just assess. I, I think I've learned a lot that way. And just like, I, I mean, it, you have to be willing to kind of take the risk of yeah. trying to fix something too, and not yeah. be afraid to, use something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So like, it doesn't have to be, I mean, I've, I've used all sorts of different equipment when stuff is broken to just make do, Get it you done. know, like different yeah. things. Like I've had machines break one last Christmas broke in November and it like our busiest week of the year. Yeah. And so, you know, like you just have to use other machinery to try and like, just think of the process of, of, what how it functions like how does the tempering function of the chocolate and how can I accomplish this in massive batches with something else that it's not made for Mm. and so just being creative you have to like don't be stuck on on always thinking that it needs to be that done one way machinery or something done one way so yeah yeah, like that's the only way you can get through it yeah and yeah have your moment. I've had a couple moments where I've literally just like sat on the floor and eaten ice cream (laughs) and then regroup and get up, you know, like, well, this morning, yeah, yeah. we we knocked when it gets crowded in here, that just, there's so much stuff everywhere and two things completely crashed and fell on the floor and, and, uh, and I stepped on something else that fell over. And so you just have to breathe take a moment, you know, realize that that is the least of the problems that are going on in the world and move on. Yeah, no, that's a good way to approach it for sure. Um, If you had the opportunity to go back to before you started the business with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? Uh, I I would like to say that I would still say, uh, I probably would warn myself about how much I would have to learn. Mm. Um, but uh, I, 
I would say try to outsource a bit more mm. um, to free up some time. Um, as, as And I say that now because I'm trying to give myself the same advice that I mm. am not clearly listening to the things that I know because um, I am completely involved in this business and it's my life and it takes up so much time. And so there is that thing that I'm still trying to remind myself of give myself extra time for me, Mm. um, you know, and don't as much as I love being completely involved in the business. I think that it's important to try and find a little more balance with, um, you know, the the things that I enjoy to do outside of work. Yeah. 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 So when was the last holiday you took? I think I went to Hawaii in oh, cool. 2018. It's been a while, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you might I mean, try and need to do something about that, hey? Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, COVID is... Uh, I know. It's been a killer, it hasn't of, it? Mm. I know, but it, it for me, and I know this sounds terrible, but I'm like, well, it's kind of just made it okay for me to just live working, which yeah. I know isn't a good thing, but yeah. I, I know, know what you mean. I'm like... Yeah. So you mentioned COVID earlier on in that, obviously it was been sort of difficult to acquire ingredients or have some security around your ingredients. I know that everybody's costs of goods have gone up as well, you know, whether it's your ingredients or your packaging, for example, like there's always something that's going up. How have you managed to sort of um, maintain the business throughout that period and keep your um, margins intact? It's been a hard one. Mm. Um, I know for sure that I'm not doing the best job at that because I am trying so hard to not relay that to my customers. Mm. And I know that my customers appreciate me for that. But, you know, at the end of the day with the numbers, it's really, I know this year has, especially because it's kind of catching up with everyone it's really affecting. I mean, postage right now is just absolutely killing me. It's hard, so, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying really hard to keep my, you know, free shipping programs and things like that and eating the cost of all this stuff, which, you know, I, I'm trying as hard as I can, but literally every time I order an ingredient, it has increased in price. Mm-hmm. And with our type of business, when you do wholesale, your customers already have that wholesale number that they're selling to the customer, um, you know, on the retail side, they can't just keep, you can't, you can't just change their numbers like that too. So it just becomes a lot, you got to kind of adjust things. And so it's really for me looking at um, way to do things more cost effectively so that I can, still keep my pricing at a level that is affordable for Mm. the customers because they're already paying so much Mm. just in general for cost of living. And so like with food pack um, making, and I noticed a lot of people have made the choices to go to more of sort of a bag style. Mm. And my boxes before that I was doing, it was two stickers front and back, a box, a bag, a sticker on the top, and then a date sticker on the bottom, yep. and the time to put all that. That's together. what I was going to say. The amount of labor that went into that, yeah, yeah. So those sorts of things. So now with the bag, I mean, and for me that wasn't really a huge issue because I 
recycle almost, I would say I recycled 80% of everything in the shop. And then mm -hmm. I have another recycling program too, where everyone can bring in their um, mixed pa packaging back to us and will, because um, I pay to get rid of all my soft plastics. Do you, okay, so TerraCycle or who are you using? Um, I use uh, a company out here and they just come and, and do all my, collect it all up. All my oh, that's plastic cool. for me. So yep. that's really important for me because mm. as, I mean, I think there's always that struggle with being a business owner for me, at least where, I mean, you of course want, want to be successful in your business, but I don't want it to be at the cost of mm. any bad impedance on the environment, you know? And yep. so I, they laugh at me in the shop because I have such a, I have, you know, like every single thing gets recycled into its own area and no one really, you know, they're always looking at me going, which one does this go into? And which one does this go into? And, uh, and we have this like funny point system that we're using right now um, of, uh, you know, whoever has the most points at the end of the month gets, uh, you know, get them like a, surprise that's cool and uh and so one of them called out the other employee this morning because they threw a plastic bag <laughs> into the garbage <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's working pretty well to get everyone to recycle good properly, so. yeah 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 so anyway it's it's unfortunate i don't know what the next couple of years will bring cost wise it's sad because it might lead to some products having to get discontinued the mm. yeah just because i don't know where that threshold is for what people are willing to pay for that particular product right mm -hmm. and there's not much i can do about it i mean there's just so many ingredients dairy for instance is yeah. huge too right yes so, yeah so i think at the end of this year i'll really have to take a hard look and kind of go back and see what a year looked like mm -hmm. um and then make some decisions on that too so yeah it's a, it's a tough one that is a tough one um how many SKUs do you have in total oh i sell um 15 uh SKUs to stores yeah and then i have i don't even know how many that i sell direct customer oh wow Okay. Yeah. yeah Significant. Yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah. your approach? You're building par levels and then sort of like just constantly topping up those par levels or are you just sort of making to order? How do you go about it? Pretty much. We just, especially this time of year, it's make to order. I mean, it's yeah. almost always make to order because it goes out just as fast as we can produce it. And then basically because we have so many items. Yeah. Even if you try and catch up on one, you're basically just cycling through. Yeah. To, yeah. to produce them I mean yeah. and that's the problem with my brain too is I love creating things mm. so like my mom for instance the other day she's like you really need to do something with coffee and then because she put it in my brain of course next thing I know I'm like oh new product okay here we go so <laughs> there's your innovation we... yeah yeah and I mean I do love that stuff but it's not really like I needed a new product to put yeah, out yeah 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 um so those, those sorts of things, I kind of need to sometimes reel it back a little bit. And, and, uh, but that's the nice thing about having the storefront is if I think of something that I want to run as a special, mm. I can just make a batch and, and do that too. Right? Test the market. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. If we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever. So I'm talking in business or in life, or they kind of go in hand in hand in your case, what would you have accomplished? 
I think for me right now, um, I mean, it would it would be to have the growth that I have now and um, feeling confident in um, how the, the um, with my staff producing everything with me taking a slight step out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So having a bit more time to um, you know, work on getting some sleep or <laughs> going back <laughs> to going Hawaii. On a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just taking some time away from the business a little bit. Yeah. Um, but still uh, feeling like I'm hitting the projections that I want as well as um, just not, not feeling so tightly bound to mm. each individual production of everything and just having mm-hmm. the confidence that things are going to be done to the standards that my customers have always expected from us because we've been able to produce that. So yeah. I think for me, that would be, that's, I mean, and ultimately that's, my goal is yep. what I'm working towards. So yeah. You can good. totally do this. Like, yeah. You've got this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Amber, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a great chat. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was nice to meet you. Nice to chat with you. Yeah. You too. Um, Like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you're extremely generous and gave everybody a 15% um, discount um, when they use the promo code pack 15. So I encourage everybody to go online, um, just scroll on down into the show notes and, uh, and click on the link and definitely take advantage of Amber's generous offer there. Um, I, for one would like to do that and taste some of your beautiful chocolate. So yeah, thank you so much, Amber. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you and um, ask any questions that they may have or uh, find out a little bit more about rock coast what's the best way to go about it uh rockcoast.ca is uh the website it's got a little bit of more information uh about sort of the business and how it started and then on the contact page it just goes directly to me so yeah and i'm happy to happy to answer any questions or anything like that well thank you very much i really appreciate your time today have a good one awesome thanks bye you're welcome Thanks for taking the time to tune into today's episode. I really appreciate the 45 minutes that you take out of your day to listen in each week. Uh, Be sure to come on back next week for episode 104. It's an absolute cracker. It's also the two-year mark for the podcast too, which is really exciting. Thanks a lot and speak soon. Bye.